name of Jesus Christ, he is worthy. God is holy and mighty. Are you glad that you are victorious tonight? Are you glad that you know no matter what situation happens, you're going to come out on top? I don't care what happened this week. You are going to come out on top because God is with you. He isn't going to fail. He will not let you fail. Amen. I love what I feel today. Before we dismiss our classes, there we just go ahead and be seated. Uh, we're going to dismiss in just a moment, but I uh, do want to just real quick on behalf of Bishop and uh, everybody else, all of our staff, everything. What a what a great uh, time we had this weekend with Brother Wilson. What a great concert Friday night. Wasn't that just an awesome to be a part of? And uh, so many uh, people help contribute to, towards that. And I know that um, it, unless you've been up here, it's, it's hard to remember everybody. But we do want to make sure we give special thanks to Jaron and Courtney Seymour. What a great job they did with all the food, all the help with that. And also uh, Colton, John, and Brooklyn Nichols. Thank you all so much for all the media. I know they, they were here all day. Friday and Saturday and I mean it just all week it was just you know so and everybody else if you helped contribute to make this last week and what it was thank you so much and uh, uh, I was just so godly proud of everybody and I appreciate it I, I love to go over to see Brother Donnie on, on the keys playing with, with all those folks and, and it was just what a blessing it is to be part of God's kingdom to see what God is doing elevating us into new heights and have it be a part of the ride. All right, so kids, you can now be dismissed to your classes. Everybody else, you want to just turn and wave at somebody we haven't already. It's good to see everybody here tonight. If you're a returning guest, thank you for, for being here. We greet all of you in the name of Jesus Christ, our guest at number one here at Greater Faith. We love our guests. church is over tonight, if you uh, see somebody that you don't recognize or haven't seen very often, please be sure to greet them and let them know how much we appreciate them being part of this. Um, I have everything on my tablet up here, but I'll open my Bible so you think I'm teaching, and also that way you'll know when I close it that I'm almost done, so I'll give you hope. So <laughs> I was like, I, sort of think I don't really need my Bible up here tonight, but you know, just for visual effect for everybody else. We'll uh, let you know what's going on tonight, but I want to speak to us for a few moments tonight on just uh, speak out. Speak out is what I'm teaching on tonight, what I'm talking about tonight, and and uh, been, it's been thinking so much, obviously, with the weekend that we had and uh, the singing and the preaching and, and everything else that's been happening around here this last week, um, just how important your physical voice is and how unique Every one of us has a unique physical voice. And you may sound like uh, your parents, both in your, yeah, help me, Jesus. I know, I, I get it. I, I, I give my older brother Kyle a hard time all the time because he is just my dad incarnate. He is just Bill made over. Um, and so I, I sometimes I ask my sister-in-law, what is it like being married to, to your father-in-law? 
because there's just so much alike, and so some of you can relate to that. But uh, your voice is it's just it's just you. Um, you. You can recognize somebody by the sound of of the voice. Is, is why when as a parent you can you know you can hear somebody say dad, and you know if that's your kid saying dad or not. You know uh, if you hear your kid crying, you know that's that's your that's your kid's voice. You know, and, and sometimes you you know know to to turn. Other times you know to ignore <laughs> that cry. That's not a real cry. That's a I need your attention cry. That is a hey. That's not a really hurt cry. That's a uh, that's a you're just trying to get attention cry. So uh, so we know that that voice as as parents and you have you uh, a unique voice and of course our voice you know changes over time. It changes based on we're tired and uh, you know uh, I, I'll say this as as a as a young man I used to always hate you know back in the dark ages children there was two phones in the house. One was attached to the wall in the kitchen. And if you were fortunate, you had a cordless phone with an antenna that you had to pull out. That would go from like, you know, like your waist up to your shoulder in length. Don't walk underneath the ceiling fan because it might catch it. And you never knew who was calling because I never heard of caller ID until high school. And so, because again, you know, I'm in my 40s. And so, it's just, well, it wasn't that long ago. But it's just how much technology has changed. But um, you'd answer the phone, you know, as a middle schooler, hello, and they'd be like, oh, hey, Debbie, which is my stepmom's name. It's like, no, this is Brett. <laughs> Change your voice to make sure they knew this was Brett you were talking to, this is not Debbie, I'll get her. You know, every boy has been there, hallelujah, had to try to make sure you didn't sound like your mother on the phone, so it's the curse of it, all right? But it's your voice, it's a signature thing. You know, now some of you who've met my other brother, Jason, and have heard him preach or heard him teach or just met him, we do look a lot alike, although he is about half my size, but, uh, and he is eight years older, so Jason, if you watch this later, I will remind everybody that you're almost a decade older than I am, and so, um, but we also sound a lot alike. I remember, uh, again, I had, when I was living in Evansville, and called my pastor one day, and, and we got on the phone, and we were talking, and, and I don't know if he either didn't have caller ID, I didn't look at it when I called or whatever, but about five minutes into the conversation, I realized that he thought he was talking to Jason, and because um, I wasn't on ministerial staff at the time, and my brother Jason was, he started talking about something that I had no business knowing anything about, and I was like, hey, Brother Bear, this is Brett, it's not Jason. He's like, oh my goodness, you sound so much alike, you know, but that's because our, our voice, you know, we're family, we, we sound alike, but your voice is important, it is uniquely you and are you are again you might sound like someone in your family but for the most part i can pretty well tell who i'm talking to best just on the sound of your voice but god has given you that unique voice it is a an instrument that god desires to use in so many ways and it is your voice that god so desperately wants to control it wants to, he wants you to yield it over not because he is a uh dictator, you know, type of a God who just wants to keep his thumb on you, but because when God gets control of all of you, then you can have all the blessings that God has for you. When you surrender to God, you're not surrendering to, to a dictator who's going to abuse you. When you surrender your voice to God, you're not surrendering to somebody who isn't going to take good care of your voice. God, he, he loves you more than you ever could ever love yourself. And so when you surrender yourself to God, you're not giving yourself over to something that's going to end badly for you, but it's going to end greater for you than what you ever could imagine. 
God could do more for you than we ever can imagine doing for ourselves. And trust me when I tell you that God has more for you than what you ever could attain on your own. But in order to, to get to that place, then we have to surrender some things around our voice. So um, I'm going to dive into, I'm going to start where probably many of you would think I would go and talk about like this, and that's James chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, first 12 verses. And uh, I always have a lot of verses. I don't always get through them all, but I figured if I'm not teaching very well, I'll read a lot of scripture, and then we'll all be happy because the scripture is good whether my preaching is good or not. And so the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So that's for all of you who think that having a pulpit ministry is just glorious saying you, you better be ready to, to take on some of the other responsibilities that come up with a part of that. But indeed, we all make many mistakes, for we could control our tongues. We would be perfect. We could also control ourselves in every other way. So just stop on that verse just for a second. Think about the fact that if you could control your tongues, he's not, he's not it, it, is a, it is an if, right? There's not a certainty to this because our tongue, as we'll, we'll read down here more, is one of the most uncontrollable things about us. How many know that your mouth will get you in trouble faster than anything else? Yes, so all, at least all, I know at least all of us husbands can say amen to that. So I'll skip on past that and move on to something else. Verse 3 says we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. And we know this verse well, and I know I'm not teaching anything new to many of you, but just, it's just a reminder of things tonight that, that this tongue that's in our mouth, that it, it controls everything. It sets the tone for everything about our lives. And so just as that horse is controlled by that bit in its mouth, just as that massive ship, I don't care how big or how small the ship is, every ship has a rudder that can steer it in a direction. And that rudder is nowhere near proportionate in size to that, to that ship, right? It, it, it could be a large ship with a small rudder. It doesn't matter. That, that rudder makes a difference in its direction. And he says that that tongue, though it is small, makes grand speeches. Uh, but a tiny spark can set a great force on fire. Among, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set afire by hell itself. That is how the Bible describes your tongue. Now, people contain all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. I've never tried, you know, taming reptiles, birds, or fish. I tried to tame my house cat, which is in defense of cats. I almost want to tell tonight's message in defense of cats. Even though they are, you know, schizophrenic, I think it's that Bishop described him the other day. <laughs> Completely accurate. My cat is certainly that way. Um, and so that's why it doesn't list cats in verse number seven here. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. And James thought, should I put cats in there? And God said, nope, don't put them in there. <laughs> but no man, that no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. No man. There is not a single person okay, that can tame the tongue. You just can't do it. 
At some point in time, your mouth is going to get ahead of your brain, right? Your brain might tell you, hey, I, I know I shouldn't say this, I know I shouldn't say this, but your mouth will get ahead of it, except you, unless you give your life over to God and let God have control of your entire body. Verse 10 says, so blessing and curses come, from, come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. It is not right to have blessings and cursings coming out of the same mouth. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So, in other words, James is saying, some of you have blessings and cursings coming out of your same mouth, and this just cannot be. All right, so if you have a situation in your life where your tongue is doing both blessing and cursing, then I would have to ask myself the question of does God have true control over my tongue? Now, I would be remiss if I didn't start here with the fact that how do you get control of your tongue? Then, Brother Clark, if your mouth is uncontrollable, if your tongue is completely out of control, then if God says that no man can tame the tongue, but yet you can't have a blessing and a cursing coming out of the same fountain, then how, what hope do we have? Well, we all know the answer to that. Our hope is in the Holy Ghost. That is why God chose speaking in tongues as the evidence of you receiving God's Spirit. How many of you have had a Holy Ghost? You've spoken in tongues before. How many remember the first time you spoke in tongues? I mean, that you knew that God was in complete control of your body at that moment. Okay, but we need this. We have to have the Holy Ghost in order to have God in control of our entire body because no man can tame the tongue. So, now we have a voice, but of course I want to just divert to something a little bit, uh, another topic here, and that is the, we have a voice because God has a voice. Right, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So God has a voice, and it is a voice that has uh, uh, shaped so many, every aspect of our life, everything that's in this world was shaped and made by the voice of God. And the Bible says that the sheep know my voice and we follow him. So aside from knowing the voice of your family members, those around you, be able to recognize the sound of your kids cry, you better learn to hear the voice of God. It is the most important voice that you need to know. You need to know when God is speaking to you, when God is directing you, when God is pushing you in a certain way or pulling you out of a certain situation. And God has a voice. And if you can learn to tune your ear to the Spirit, you can hear the voice of God. It will direct your paths. So long before God ever had a written word, long before anything ever, pen ever went to paper, God's voice was first. All right, long before there was this written word, he had a voice. It is, was his original mode of communication and creation. God spoke to Adam in the garden. It was before there ever was a garden, God spoke that garden into existence. When there was darkness and the earth was that form and void, it was the voice of God that began to put everything in its place. It was his voice way back in Genesis that said, let there be light. Before God ever had the written word, he had the spoken word. It wasn't until Moses 
years and years and years down the road that God ever put his finger to a tablet to give Moses the Ten Commandments. Up until then, it was the, the voice of God that spoke everything into existence. I want you to think about that. It wasn't until Moses that God gave them a written language. When, when Adam and Eve were first made, God didn't give them the ability to write. There wasn't a written language back then. They didn't have one. Right? There's no evidence. I should, say, I should say it that way. There's no biblical evidence that Adam and Eve knew how to write. So for all of you literary lovers out there, Adam and Eve didn't, didn't have to read books. So, you know, <laughs> they didn't have it. They just had the spoken word. All right? So God invented math before he ever been in English. So anyway, we'll, we'll get past all that. So I, I wanted to make sure I put that in there. And so, but that was his original mode of communication and creation. Now, I apologize. I didn't give you this verse back here, but Hebrews 11 and 3, the Bible says, through faith, we understand that, that the worlds were formed by the word of God, that by that spoken word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So it was the invisible voice of God that made the visible world that you and I live in today. That is how powerful the invisible voice is. It's how powerful the invisible voice of God is. And I'm going to talk about tonight how it is how, why your invisible voice is so powerful. It's more powerful than your visible hands. It's more powerful than your visible feet. It's more powerful than your visible eyes. But the most powerful thing that you possess is your invisible voice. Is God's invisible voice that formed this world. It is why lying is so wrong in the eyes of God. It's why God hates a lying tongue. The Bible says of all other sins, it says that every liar should have their part in the lake of fire. It singles out that. Why? Because that is how important your voice is. It is that very essence of God. This invisible God makes himself known by his audible voice. And he gave you a physical, visible person, the same type of, of invisible voice. And then you, when we want to misuse this invisible voice to tell a lie, are you kidding me right now? We want to use this invisible voice to gossip about somebody. We want to use this invisible voice to speak negativity into the atmosphere. No, not on your life. God, my invisible God, put his invisible voice in my visible body. And so now I want to use my invisible voice to praise my invisible God. Because it was the invisible God with his invisible voice that made the visible world that you and I live in today. It is how God does all this. It is his, our invisible voice is meant to bless our invisible God. See, I don't, I don't even care how dark it gets. Colton, you guys can all turn every light off. I'm not telling you to, but I'm saying that you could. Turn all the lights off in this room. It can get pitch black, but you would still hear a voice. I don't care how dark your situation is. I don't care how much light you have been devoided of in your life right now. I don't care how hurt you are. I don't care how, how dark that, uh, uh, you feel in, in your spirit right now. I don't care how dark it gets. When it gets dark, you walk into a room pitch black, and you're like, hey, is anybody in here? 
Your eye might not be able to see, but your voice can still speak into the darkness. That is how powerful your invisible voice is. Your eyes might not work in, in, in a blacked out room. Your eyes might not be able to see. You, you might feel a little uneasy on your feet, but your voice will still be just as strong. Your voice will be just as powerful. Because that, your, your voice is not affected by the darkness, is what I'm trying to tell you tonight. And that's why you've got to make sure that your voice has been turned over to that invisible God. Because then, then when your life gets dark and things are going the way that you want them to go, you can, even when you can't see the right path, uh, you begin to speak uh, your invisible voice uh, into that dark situation. Uh, and you can begin to create a path for you. It's why God, when he struck down Paul off the donkey on the road to Damascus, he took away his sight, but he didn't take away his ears. He didn't take away his mouth. Because, Paul, i got to get your eyes off the visible so that you can hear the invisible. Because God had a word for Paul, but Paul's eyes were fixed on his own traditions. Paul's eyes were fixed on everything he had been taught from a youth up. His eyes were fixed on hatred. His eyes were fixed on doing harm to the church. And so God took Paul on the road to Damascus and said, hey, I've got to take away your sight. Because we don't walk by sight in this world. Right? The only way that we're going to survive, you and I are going to get through the dark world that we're facing right now. How many know this world is getting darker by the minute? Every week there's more and more darkness. We, we, we hear about... In, but the, the murders just down the road, murders over in Sellersburg. This world is getting in a dark place. It's going to get darker, right? But, that, but that's why we've got to lend our voice to this dark world. they got to be able to hear. Uh, just like Paul, when he, was, when he was blinded on the road to Damascus, he had to turn to a, a, a person who can lead him with their voice and say, Brother Paul, I'm here to baptize you. I'm here, I'm here, to, I'm here to get these scales off your eyes. But, but before, you've got to hear what God wants to say to you. And so sometimes in your darkness, you, it, it's, it's not about being in a dark room. It, all of a sudden, your other senses are just heightened. I can hear a little, a, a little bit better. You know, I, I, I want to I try to, to feel my way, way around it. But your voice, your voice, God, God he doesn't necessarily always want to take away your voice. He wants you to be able to speak things. Now, I, I can tell you, and again, apologies to the, me in the bath, back. I, I didn't tell you guys this, but... You know, but so in the, in the book of in the book of Luke, and I'm not going to read this. You can look this up yourself. But it's in the um, what, second chapter. Yeah, or first chapter, first chapter of Luke. Zechariah, he's a priest. We know that we know the story. He becomes the father of John the Baptist. He's in the temple. He sees the angel. The angel tells him. Congratulations, you're going to be a father, you and Elizabeth. You're going to be a father to the, the, of the voice crying in the wilderness. That's who you're going to be the father of. You're going to be the father of the voice crying in the wilderness. That's the promise that God has given Zechariah right there. Uh, uh, Zechariah is right there in the temple. But Zechariah has doubt. He said, how can this be? And the angel says, nope, I can't have that. I can't have that invisible voice speaking that into the atmosphere. And so, because I, because you fulfill God's word, the only way you're going to do it, God had to take his voice. That is how powerful your voice is. 
that the angel knew, Gabriel knew, that if I let Zacharias keep talking this way, if I let his voice stay active in this situation, if I let him keep speaking, hey, I don't see how this can happen. I don't see how this can be, that it could actually stop the fulfillment of the birth of John the Baptist, of the greatest prophet to ever live. A man almost stopped it from happening with his voice. And it took an angel reaching into his voice box and, nope, mm, better zip that lip. You know, hey, again, parents, you've all been there. Your kids start talking. Better not say that again. Better not make that comment. Because you know what's going to happen next. Okay. We joke about that as parents. And maybe not joke about that as parents. But I have to fulfill that word sometimes as parents. But this is how serious it was. This is how serious your voice is. It matters what you say when God gives you a word of, of, of prophecy. It matters how you respond to this priest word behind this pulpit. Now, I'm not talking about not, not me up here, but anybody who's in this pulpit, anybody that God has sent to preach behind this pulpit, it matters what your words that come out of your mouth matter. It matters. So God has a voice, and he's constantly speaking. The 29th Psalm says this, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord God, our glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The glory of God thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. This is how powerful. He, he just makes them to skip like a calf, Lebanon and, and Syrian, like the, a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of, of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth uh, the forest. And in his temple does everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless the people with peace. Verse 9 says, and in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The voice of God is out there and it's speaking to us. And it's us, the temple of God. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost? And the psalm commands us, does everyone speak of his glory? Sometimes I, I don't understand how anybody could ever sit in church and be silent. I don't understand how when those visible instruments are making invisible sounds of music, that anybody could ever sit back and just with their hands in their pocket. I mean, I don't care if you can sing or not. You ought to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It matters. It matters when that whenever the praise team up here is up here worshiping and praising, they've been practicing, they've been singing out, they're singing out, and the instruments are making invisible music and, and they're making invisible songs and, and harmonies together. I want to be a part of that. I want my voice to be lent to, to speak of his glory. 
His voice is upon the waters. It's causing things to move in my life. And, and I want him to know that I have a voice uh, that's going to speak of the glory of God. Every church service, I don't care if it's good preaching or bad preaching, uh, as long as it's truth preaching. If they're preaching the truth behind the scripture, of the scripture behind this pulpit, I'm going to preach with that preacher. They can be the best oracle out there. They can be fumbling over every word. Every other word doesn't matter to me. I don't want to know that as long as they're preaching truth, uh, I'm going to speak of his glory because I'm in the temple and I am his temple. And I'm going to let the world know that he is glorious. We tend to make so how, much, how we respond to God in church so much about our personality, but it's not about our personality. It's, it's, it's about our relationship and our revelation of God. If you have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, you have, and you have a relationship with who Jesus Christ is, uh, then you have no other option but to lend your voice uh, to giving glory to God. I don't care where you fall on the spectrum of introvert or extrovert. I don't care where you fall on the spectrum in any all those other areas. It doesn't matter to me because I have every one of us has a voice. And we have to lend that voice to God in worship. It's why we amen the preachers. It's why we clap our hands. Clapping our hands is great, uh, but you better put a voice behind it. Because hey, this, is, this is visible. This is only so much. This is temporal. These hands won't be around forever. I'm going to get a new body. These hands are only going to be around for so long. But my voice, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to sound this same way in heaven. So this voice that I'm using here on earth uh, is going to be the same voice I praise God with in heaven. Uh, he's given you a new body, but he's not going to give you a new voice. Uh, so you better take your voice you have now uh, and give God all the praise and glory and honor. Because that invisible voice is going along with you. try to calm down up here a little bit but I'm excited about the fact that we get to be a part of this that my voice I don't care if a high-pitched voice I don't care if a low voice I don't care if I have a I don't care if I have a slur in, in this if I you know have a lisp it doesn't matter if you have a voice God wants to hear it you might have a, a, the, the vocabulary of, of a second grader who, who you know who went through five years of second grade I don't, it doesn't matter God doesn't care about that you might have a, the voice of somebody who has five different doctorate degrees. God doesn't care about that. He wants to know, do you have a voice uh, and can I have it? Do you have a tongue and can I control it? Because God wants to speak through it. It matters how you respond because it puts something in the atmosphere. When you respond to God's word, respond to the preaching of God's word, it changes things in the spirit. That's why when we get up here and pre-service prayer, you can feel the difference between a, a quiet preservers prayer and, and a rambunctious one. That's not all about volume, but it's about engagement. And, the, and the, I can tell how engaged someone is by how their voice is, right? It's that effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Right? What is an effectual fervent prayer? It's not about how fast you walk across the front or, or how, how loud you clap your hands, but it's about that voice uh, that you're putting out into the atmosphere. Now, yeah, it might cause you to run across the front and walk back and forth. It'll cause you to dance. It'll cause you to do all those things, uh, but you better put your voice behind it uh, or else you're just doing something physical. Right? But when your voice becomes engaged, your invisible voice becomes engaged with the invisible God, uh, then that's, that's, that's where the... I'd say that's where the magic happens. All right, that's that's where you get that connection. That's where the power 
that dunamis power of the Holy Ghost gets released because it's the Spirit of God on the inside connected with the Spirit of God on the outside. It's like plugging something into the, into the socket. It just gets rolling. I love it when it, I hear the sound of God's people praising him. And trust me, God loves it too. And we're going to show you here that in just a second. So the book of Nehemiah. I love this book. We, we, I can't remember when it was. Back in January, we talked a lot about it up here on the, I think it was January. We, the four of us were up here on the platform, talked a lot about Nehemiah sometime back then. Maybe even for longer, longer than that. I don't know where I told you, I'm old, I forget when things happen. But in Nehemiah, we always talk about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, but really there's two sections in Nehemiah. He rebuilds the wall, but then he's also trying to, to also reestablish the law as part of it as well. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8, they've, they've built the wall, and they've, um, and, and, and Ezra, who was um, the scribe, and he was alive during this time, as we talked about way back on that, in that service. Um, so anyway, so here in Nehemiah chapter 8, and they're about to, having brought the word of God back, right? So they haven't had, Ezra's job was about, he was the scribe. He's putting the word of God back together. They, they had been uh, uh, void of it because of their captivity. And so Nehemiah chapter 8, um, I, I, I love I love their, their reaction. All right, here we go. Verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street. There's like some things about unity. You can talk about that right there. That was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of, of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood a whole list of people whose names I'm not going to try to pronounce. If Brother Wilson can do it, I can do it too. Verse 5. And so, verse 5 says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I love, if you can just imagine in your mind's eye, just to, to picture what is happening here. They've rebuilt the wall. Ezra has put scripture back together, the law of Moses. And they have a pulpit, and Ezra is on it, he's reading it. And, and, and in one translation, and, and some of the things I read about it, uh, he actually read it in multiple languages so that everybody who had been in captive, so everybody could actually know what it was that he was reading. And their response, without any, any direction from them, it, it was just their natural response to this. They began to cry out, amen, amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads, they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It reminded me so much of church. Right? I mean, they're, he's, he is literally preaching the law of Moses. Uh, and they're responding, so be it. Let it be. Amen. Amen. And they're lifting their hands up and they're clapping. I mean, this, if people want to talk about why do you worship the way you do in church, hey, that's how they worship in, in the Bible days too. 
That's how they respond to the, to the preaching of the God's word in the Bible days, too. Why do we say amen around here? It's because I'm wanting the, the preacher to know that I believe what he's preaching. And if there's an unbeliever sitting near me, I want them to know, hey, I believe what that man is preaching. I believe what's being said behind the pulpit. It's important. It's important that you respond to preaching. Because it's you telling God, God, I believe it. It's you telling the preacher, hey, I'm behind you. And it's you telling an unbeliever, hey, listen, if you disagree with him, you're, you're in the wrong place. Because this is where we believe in truth preaching. So they said, amen. They clapped their hands. They bowed their heads to the ground. They're worshiping God. That was, I mean, they, it was, they were like, man, this, we have not heard this kind of preaching in years. And I remember first time ever coming to church back in 97 as a 17-year-old. Well, actually, I was 16 at the time before I turned 17. And it's not understanding any of this. Not understanding why people were clapping their hands in church. Not understanding why people were saying amen. Why there's people that were just walking around during a song. Worshiping, running, I, mean, I, I knew none of it. Knew none of it. But that word, that word got in me. Right? That's the power of the word. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that everybody else in that room agreed with what was, what was being preached. I knew that everybody else was on the same page. And I had to ask myself, why? why? What is going on here? Why? I, I, know, I knew everybody I was in that room with that day. I knew a lot of them. I grew up with some of them, and, and I, I knew some other ones, other people that, from work and things like that who invited me to church. But I remember I, I, just, I couldn't get out of my head. Well, I didn't understand why, what he was saying, but, but they, they obviously agreed with this. So I had to dig into the scripture, and it, it was that word. It was that foolishness of preaching that brought me out. It was that voice. It was that invisible preached word of God that drew me into this, and it, it was helped by the response of the congregation. You help. When you respond to the preached word of God, you help bring people to the altar that way. You help, you help us out. All right? I'm just giving some instruction tonight of, of, of why it's important to respond to God's word. because It tells everybody in the room that I believe this. I agree with it. I want to be a part of it. And it releases faith into the atmosphere. And we release that kind of faith in the atmosphere, then what was preached that's when signs and wonders can follow them that believe. The psalmist says, Psalm 107, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. It, it, it's something that just pours out of you when you know you've been redeemed, that you just have to keep crying out, God, I, I want to be a part of this. I love this. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful. I want God to hear my voice. You know, your voice is so important. You, you, you can't repent in your head. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. You can't repent in your head. You can, you can think you're sorry all you want. It doesn't work that way. God gave you a voice. You have to speak those things into existence. When we're, when we're praying for the sick, I can't think, man, I, I hope they get healed. I mean, I can't even think I want them to be healed. I can't even think I believe they're going to be healed. I have to speak it. I have to speak it into the atmosphere. Because I want the person I'm praying for to know that I believe that God is healing them. I want the atmosphere to know that I believe that, I, that they, uh, God's going to heal them. I want whatever devil is trying to crawl onto their back to know that I know that my God is more powerful than that spirit, that infirmity, whatever it is they're facing. 
We got to speak these things out into existence. And God takes note of it. Um, we can, we, you can look, I mean, even way back in Deuteronomy 27, won't read it because there's too many verses in there that just say the same thing over and over again. But he's given the law at the end of every one of those verses through most of the verses of Deuteronomy 27. That's your homework assignment to go back and read it. But it, it says that at almost the end of every one of those verses, all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. It's, 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 it's just a sign of agreement. Let it be. God, I, I am on board with this. When we preach about revival, God, I'm on board with it. God, when we preach about healing, God, I'm on board with it. I don't care if you've heard oneness preaching for 80 years. If you believe it, you ought to say amen about it. I don't care how many. If I came up here and preached the same sermon next, next Thursday, which I don't think Bishop would ask me to, but if he did, you ought to say amen just as many times. Because, listen, I don't care if I've heard it preached one time or a thousand times. I still believe it. So I'm going to say amen to it. I don't care if the person is preaching Acts. We can preach Acts 2.38 every day of the week. I'm still going to amen it. Because that's good preaching. It is scripture. And I believe it. And I want the, the world to know that I believe this verse. And we're, but we're human. I get it. I know we, 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 we fall into, into the, the, the idea sometimes of, of well, it's just old hat. And we sit back and we relax. I'm, I'm guilty of it. And when I'm guilty of it, you all know because I'm sitting right over there. So... But you're guilty, too, because you're looking at me instead of following the preaching. <laughs> but it's easy sometimes. i got to remind myself. i got to be conscious of this. That, listen, oh, they're, they're, reading, they're reading the you know, Luke 15, man, I've heard Luke 15 preached all the different directions. But I, 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 maybe I've even heard this it preached this way before. But I have to put my voice behind it because God takes note. Whenever we preach with the preacher, or whether not just in in the church, but also when we're speaking to each other outside the church, because God doesn't want to just control your tongue when you're speaking in tongues. God wants to control your tongue all the time. If God's only controlling your tongue when you're speaking in tongues, but He's not controlling your tongue when you're at work or you're at home, well, then we're back in the whole James situation. When how can a how can you get both sweet water and bitter water out of the same fountain? Well, the answer is that you can't. All right. So, but God takes note, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. This is the prophecy of Malachi, and uh, time to kind of get into all of the, qualify all of this, but um, where we're at here. But anyway, verse 16 says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. They that feared the Lord spake Often, didn't they? Don't think, they don't ponder, they don't meditate. They spake often, one to another, and the Lord hearkened, and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him, for them that feared the Lord and thought upon His name. When you who fear the Lord speak often one to another, God's ears perk up, and He says, "Whoa, whoa, wait a second! They're talking about." In a good way. They're talking about how much they love me. How they, how, how they love what's going on at church. 
They're talking about being, being a part of prayer meeting. They're talking about witnessing. They're talking about, about, about the goodness. They're testifying to somebody about how I pulled them out of a pit. Hey, hey, give me a pen. Give me a pen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this down. And he has a book of remembrance. When you testify, when you speak about the goodness of God, when you that fear the Lord speak about who God is, he writes it down in your book of remembrance. That should, that should give us a little bit of cautiousness about the things that come out of our mouth. It should help me to, to remind me. I, I, when I was reading this, uh, studying this today, I, 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 was just, I was just wondering to myself, how many pages are in my book? How, you know, how many, how many chapters has God been able to write down about all the times about that I have spoke about the goodness of God? Where I have spoke one to another. When, and how, how many times has my conversation got God's attention? And how many times has he begun to write those things down in my book of remembrance? And I was just praying, God, I, I, I need more chapters. I need more volumes. I want to speak more about your goodness. I want to speak more about how great you are. I want, God, I always, I always want to remember that, that the ear of God is always listening to the things that are coming out of my mouth. Verse 17 says, and he, he goes on to say, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Who? Those who fear the Lord, who speak often one to another. In that day when I make up my jewels and I, I will spare them as a man spareth his his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. This is, this, is, this is that criteria that God is looking at, how those who fear the Lord speak to each other. And he's causing a book of remembrance to be, to, to be written about the things that you say, about what you speak about, about what you, not, not just about, it's a, it is about, action, right? It's about putting your hands to the plow and all those things. I'm not, I'm not negating us being a part of the workings of God, right? It's, it's great. Those of you who help, you know, fix chairs and, and we you move tables, all that thing is great. But I'll never forget Brother uh, Bishop uh, Robert Straub, who was the district superintendent for a long time, and I think I've said this before, but I, I, I'll say it again in this context. I remember him preaching at, at a family camp in, Indian, in uh, Fortville at the campgrounds up there, and um, he said, never mistake busyness with spirituality. And we can, we, we can be busy about the kingdom of God, but that's not spirituality, right? Spirituality involves engaging with God in a relationship, in a conversation with God, and that's only through the use of your voice. That's why you got to speak out. That's why you got to speak out. That's why you got to speak out in church when during the, you got to sing out during, during the singing. You got you to speak out and with, preach with the preacher. That's why when, when you're in conversation with other people, you got to speak out about how good God is to you. And we, we, we've got we've to be, be conscious about this because our tongue won't do it on its own. Our tongue, will, will, it will not. You will not just spontaneously start testifying about the goodness of God. Right? It's, not, it's not like a muscle that's going to have a spasm. And next thing you know, you just poof. Hey, by the way, I, I didn't mean to tell you this, but here's this great testimony about the goodness of God. No, it is a conscious effort that you have to make that I'm going to speak about his goodness. And the only way you can have control over that is by letting the Holy Ghost have control of you. Because this is what they were all, this is what they were really concerned about in the book of Acts. It wasn't that they, you know, were um, organized. There were a lot of different religious organizations in the days of, of the Bible. Look at Mars Hill. 
all those, all those things. Everybody was worshiping different, different gods on Mars Hill. So the Romans, they weren't concerned because there was a new religious organization. That didn't bother them because there, there were tons of religious organizations in the, in, the, in the Bible days. They believed in multiple gods. So they're like, oh, you're worshiping another god? All right, well, we worship like 10, you know, just this last week. So they, they, they didn't care about that. But what they, what they cared about was that the apostles were speaking about Jesus to everybody they met. It wasn't about their actions. It wasn't about even them worshiping in, in a house or praying in a house. But they, they were concerned because they would not shut their mouths when it came to speaking to people about Jesus Christ. That's why in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, it says, So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. They didn't talk to, they didn't say, hey, you can't, they didn't tell them that they can't worship Jesus. They didn't tell them that they, that they couldn't do healings. They didn't tell them that they couldn't do any of those other things that, that they were doing. But what they, what they said was, what we're most concerned about, what the devil was most concerned about was you got to stop speaking about the name of Jesus Christ. That is what they were most concerned about. Hey, Peter, we're not trying to stop you from healing people. We're not trying to stop you from worshiping inside your own temple. But what I'm concerned about is that you're speaking about the name of Jesus Christ. That should tell you, with, above everything else, what the devil is most concerned about is your voice. He's not concerned about anything else. He doesn't care if people get healed, if people get this, that, or the other. What he is worried about is that you're going to speak about the name of Jesus Christ. He wants to try to shut your voice down. He wants to try to stop you from talking. He wants to intimidate you at work. Oh, oh I can't speak about Jesus Christ at work. Uh, they're gonna, uh, that's that's going to get me fired. Uh, I can't speak about Jesus Christ at my family reunion. Uh, they're going to tell me they don't want me to come back. Uh, I mean, we have got to make sure that we are here to speak out uh, about the name of Jesus. Jesus. Yes, I will talk about healings. Yes, I will talk about miracles. Yes, I will talk about worship. But above everything else, I'm going to speak the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to speak his holy name. That is a name above every name. It is the most powerful name above all names. And that is what the devil was concerned about. He said, Peter and apostles, I don't want you to do anything else that I don't care about. But you better stop speaking about the name of Jesus. You better stop speaking speaking about the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, so if he doesn't want me to do it, guess what? Uh, I'm going to do it that much more. If, uh, if he doesn't want me to speak the name of Jesus, uh, I'm going to speak it that much more. Uh, he doesn't want me to pray in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, I'm going to pray uh, that much more. He doesn't want me to worship the name of Jesus, uh, then I'm going to worship uh, that much more. Because my voice makes a difference. Uh, your voice makes a difference. That's why we ought to be like Peter and John. They replied. They said, hey, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We could not stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling. They were, they were concerned about their voice. And they said, hey, you don't have control of my tongue, counsel. I hate to tell you. My tongue belongs to another. It is under control of the Holy Ghost, and so we cannot stop. We cannot stop. We cannot stop. We cannot stop telling 
about the things, everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot for everyone was praising God. That's what their voice did in that day. The Bible says that they turned the world upside down. I mean, that, that is what our voice has the ability to do above everything else. If we all will just cry out about the name of Jesus Christ, we will tell everybody that we know about who Jesus Christ is. If we will just speak the name of Jesus, then we can make a great difference, not only in our own lives, but in this world. How many want to speak the name of Jesus Christ? How many know that your voice is powerful? How many know that your voice is what God wants? In the book of Revelation, and you can stand, I'm going to close with this. Bible says Revelation chapter 12. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, was accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives unto death. By the blood of the Lamb and the word. That word, word there is the word logos. It's the same word that the Bible says in the beginning was the word, word with God, and the word was God. That word that was God that spoke everything into existence, that same word is in you. If you have the Holy Ghost, that same word that formed the earth with a spoken word, that same word is inside you. And that is how you're going to overcome by the word of their testimony. Or testimony there is uh, martria, same word that derived from the word of, of martyr. It means witness. When you speak, when you are a witness, when your voice is crying out, you are a witness to this world, you're a witness to the spirit world, you're a witness to the natural world, and you're a witness to God that you believe in what he is telling you is going to come to pass. And, there's, and when you are speaking out that amen, when you're crying out, God, I believe it, when you are praying what, what, the, what the Lord put into your spirit, you are unifying yourself with the one true God. And when you are in unity with God in both word and deed, then how can you lose? How can you not but come up a, a victor in every situation? So we overcome God by the blood of the Lamb, which is applied to us in baptism and in filling with the Holy Ghost, and by the word of our testimony. Because as Proverbs says, the tongue can bring life, or the tongue can bring death. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So your tongue is important. Your voice is important. And God is, wants us to speak out. Speak out when we're praying. We want to pray out effectual, fervently, praying loud. I tell sometimes that singers are going up there and I don't think they even hear me sometimes. Hey, don't be loud and proud. I had a um, person I used to teach with, that's what we always talk about. We had to teach loud and proud. They used to have to close the doors in the hallway that I taught in because I talked talk too loud. So I have a loud voice. I'd probably 
we weren't live streaming. I can teach without this microphone. We got my loud teaching voice on. But your voice is important, whether it's here in the sanctuary, in prayer, whether it's preaching with the preacher. But more than anything else, this world needs your voice. Because trust me, this world is blind. They're heading to hell and they don't even know it. They're in utter darkness and they don't even know it. But in that dark world, they can hear the cry of the church. It was the, it was the cry of the people that got God's attention when they were trapped in Egypt. He heard their cry and he sent them Moses. I want God to hear our cry tonight. I want God to hear our voice tonight. I want God to know that we're ready to see deliverance in the city of Louisville. That we're ready to see deliverance in the city of Jeffersonville. And if you're here tonight and you need something from God, don't pray timidly, but pray effectually, pray fervently. I want us to come down to the front briefly. It's only 8.51. Got a couple minutes here before I turn over to Bishop. I always believed that we put into action whatever was preached behind this, up this pulpit. Every time we, we're, we're praying for the scripture, my, for the preaching of the word, I always say, God, open my heart. Help me to hear, receive, and respond to your word. But that's what we got to do tonight. That's what we got to do every, every service. Every time God speaks to us, we have, we have to hear it, we have to receive it, and we need to respond to it. So as we begin to pray right now, I want you to just begin to let your voice out. And whatever it is that you have need of tonight, I don't care what it is, I want you to speak that need unto God. You can't get there by thinking, you better begin to speak. If you need deliverance, you ask God to begin to deliver you. If you need forgiveness, ask God to forgive you. If you need your family to come back into church, ask God to bring them into church. Whatever you have need of right now, I want you to begin to pray. God, in the name of Jesus, God, we are speaking with our voice tonight. God, this voice that you put inside of us. God, we are praying, Lord God. God, you are invisible, God, with our invisible voice. And God, I'm asking, Lord God, tonight that you would meet, Lord God, us at a point of our knees. Uh, God, if they're praying for healing, I pray, God, you give them healing. Uh, God, they're praying, God, for deliverance. Lord God, I don't pray, God, I speak deliverance uh, into their life, God. If they're praying, God, for lost family, I ask, Lord God, Lord, that you would bring their family back into truth. Uh, God, I pray, Lord God, not just for those that are here in this room, uh, but God, I am praying for my city. I'm praying for Jeffersonville. God, God, open up that door, God, for us to have service uh, over there again. Uh, God, we already know, God, the pillar of God that you're going to give us. Uh, and God, though I speak it uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, right now, Lord, that's it, church. Uh, begin to pray this, hear your voice right now. God, in the name of Jesus.